You're listening to Popaganda, the feminism and pop culture podcast. Today's episode is all about guilty pleasures. Taz Ahmed is a writer. Zara Norbash is a comedian. And together, this dynamic duo forms the team behind the new podcast, Good Muslim, Bad Muslim. The podcast is all about cultural perceptions of what's guilty and what's good. As Taz and Zara write on their website, to the Muslim community, we are bad Muslims. We listen to music. We don't pray regularly. We date or get married to white men. That's Zara. Identify as punks and radicals. That's Taz. We perform and share our lives with comedy and writing. So we are bad. So, so bad. To non-Muslims, though, we are good. We don't drink. We don't do drugs. We're not criminals. We're social justice activists and community leaders. We are successful, published, and accomplished. I asked Taz and Zara to share their guilty pleasures with us. So Taz and Zara, thank you so much for joining us on the show and uh, being up for discussing your guilty pleasures. Thanks for having us. I wanted to start off talking a little bit about your relationship to pop culture when you were growing up and now. Um, in case people don't listen to the show, you had a little bit of different experiences growing up in terms of how much you interacted with media and with pop culture. Um, Taz, I think you said on the first episode of, of your podcast that as brown girls growing up, your parents didn't want you to be um, much of a part of pop culture. And Zara, that was in contrast to your parents who sometimes tried to um, get get you incorporated into pop culture in ways such as buying you hammer pants two years after hammer pants were cool. They tried. <laughs> so so growing up, what do you feel like your relationships to pop culture were? Would you, would you just try and wolf down anything you could or were you discerning connoisseurs? Well, I mean, I, I can go first. I think one of the things that was really interesting for me growing up was I was raised in this very Muslim household and my parents were immigrants from Bangladesh and they just, they weren't really connected to American culture. So I really, um, I would get obsessed with different things such as casserole. I couldn't understand. I did, had no idea what casserole was. Um, or um, I know a lot of my peer groups, we, we all learned English through Sesame Street. Um, and then growing up, I was thinking about this as far as pop culture is concerned. Like, I wasn't allowed to watch PG-13 movies well after being 13. <laughs> my parents would always, like, change the channel whenever there was kissing. And I think in the 80s and 90s, like, there was, there's usually kissing on TV, but it would always, the channel always changes. I think it still changes up to this day. This is <laughs> now. Um, I don't, Zara, did you have that experience growing up with the kissing on TV? I was just thinking while you were talking about that flashbacks in my mind of every single time someone on network television, which is like, you know, clean TV, supposedly would just always look naked every <laughs> single time my dad walked in the room. Of course. Yes. Like it, it, there would it would be will and grace. They have no sexual relationship. And then my dad would walk in the one time you see like her naked back. And in that moment, you know, he would just give me this look. And it's just so mortifying. Now, pop culture is a very big part of what I do. I think some, a lot of the work that I do now is around developing, um, work, doing narrative building and um, community building around South Asian culture. And I'm really obsessed with finding out the, finding the South Asian pop culture aspect. So um, I actually have a music blog and I get really into finding musicians who are South Asian that are creating music. Um, I was writing on a South Asian blog, so I would always look for, for something South Asian that was in pop media because um, I do politics, so I always use a formula that 
to get people engaged in politics, you also need to get them engaged in pop culture and that you need both, um, both in the formula. That's interesting, Tez. Did, did you listen to lots of South Asian music and media growing up or was that off limits too? They didn't exist because we were here in the U.S. Um, we didn't have the internet back in when I was growing up. Um, so it was a very isolated feeling. Um, I think one of the few South Asian bands that existed was the Asian, Asian Dub Foundation from the U.K. It was like an import CD and you had to go to the CD store and go through the racks. Um, and I think because I was missing so much of that in my formative years, it, growing up, it's it's been like uh, finding treasure and trying to trying to hold it close and uplifting those those voices. Zara, what what pop culture do you find yourself seeking out these days? Oh, I'm so hooked on the Americans right now. Yeah, oh, that, like the the spy TV show. Yeah, the spy TV show with Carrie Russell. That involves lots of kissing and naked backs. Yeah. (laughs) And stuff that I'm like, I can't believe how naked they get in that show. They get really naked a lot of, like, maybe every episode. There's, like, a a lot of free-reign plumber butt. But um, (laughs) You watched it with your dad around? Well, you know, now I can't watch it with my dad around for other reasons, like uh, because it's so political and it's just like rehashing all of the drama of the 80s. And there's even commentary on like the Mujahideen and, you know, the Iranian revolution and Russia's relationship to it. And my dad is like, I don't I don't want to see any of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's completely different reasons. You know, like I want to sit down with him and ask him, like, is it true? Was it like that? Did it happen that way? Because I don't have... Um, you know, that kind of a background um, on the show. You know, uh, I always say I feel like I'm not smart enough to be Muslim <laughs> to keep up with it. And my parents, uh, when we were growing up, you know, didn't talk about a lot of that on purpose because I had a very sort of assimilationist narrative growing up. <laughs> like growing up, I watched uh, soap operas with my mom because I had I had a teenage mom. Like she... Um, she, my mom was married in Iran when she was like 16 years old. They came to this country and she knew nothing. And so a friend of hers at ESL told her, you know, soap operas are the best way to learn about American culture, <laughs> which was like, hmm, I don't know if I would go with all my children as like, you know, in general hospital. It's like the way to tap in to what it means to be an American. But that was what I was watching all like when I was 12, when I was two, I was so into soap operas. Our show today is all about guilty pleasures. So I want to ask you now that you are full-fledged adults with your own lives who can choose your own media. Um, let's start with you, Tez, uh, to talk about the terrible choices that you make about media and, <laughs> and what you what you watch or consume that um, uh, you feel a little maybe embarrassed to admit. Well, I actually had a really hard time with this, so I, I put a call out on, on my social media to see if anyone had suggestions. Zara had a few for me, which I didn't, <laughs> I don't, I didn't think they were guilty. So I got really into, um, um, I'm, I'm, I have Hulu Plus and Netflix, as do most, most, most people, and I just really binge watch on pop culture stuff. So I was binging on um, Gilmore Girls and um, uh recently was binging on the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, but I would have to say, for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to narrow down my guilty pleasure 
to rom-coms with a specific subgenre of Christmas movies. The Christmas <laughs> movie subgenre of rom-coms, which it there's actually a surprising number of films in that genre. Yeah, there's a ton. I think one of the things that I'm uh, one of the reasons why I'm I'm kind of drawn to this now is because I wasn't allowed to have Christmas growing up, right? Because we're Muslim, so Christmas was kind of a banned banned thing in our house. We weren't allowed Christmas trees or gifts, and people always said, you know, Eid is our Christmas, which didn't make sense to me because we didn't get Eid presents. So I was I still don't understand why they would make the comparison. Um, so I think because I didn't have that sense of holiday um, associated with um, being Muslim, um, Christmas movies, I don't know, I just really love the idea of Christmas movies, and they're uh, so formulaic, and there's always, like, kind of, like, everything's kind of the same about Christmas movies, but there's always, like, one weird thing that happens in each Christmas movie, so um, I, I think that's, that's kind of my my guilty pleasure. Like, there's one quirk that the film is oriented around, like, oh, she's an ice dancer, oh, he's- right. Yeah. Right. Or like, or like, she keeps hitting her head on the floor and like reliving the past twelve hours over and over again until you know something different happens. Do you watch Christmas movies, Christmas rom com films specifically, like around in the winter, or is this a year long guilty pleasure? No, I think this is just the winter winter time thing. I think, and the, I think the other thing is like when you're growing up, it's not like you can go into the video store and like look for Christmas movies. But now you have Netflix, so you can just, like, do a search for Christmas movies, and they all pop up. So I think, you know, the other thing that I think about is growing up, the one Christmas movie that was around a lot was Home Alone for some reason, which my parents are weirdly obsessed with. Um, and so that was always kind of like, I think maybe that that could be why I'm drawn to, to Christmas movies. Does, does the sappiness of rom-coms bother you, or do you like it? Do you get drawn into the story... Um, and by the end, you're like crying or, or like, yes, you've got to get the ring, even though, you know, it's kind of dumb. I, I, I mean, I, I love I love it. Like, I love the sappiness. I love the, the hunt for finding the one. I think um, um, I was talking to a friend about this. And I think she she says that the reason that it's she says that the reason why I'm into rom-coms is, and why that should be my guilty pleasure for this isn't just that I'm into rom-coms. It's that I like try to pretend that my life is a rom-com, which I don't say that it is anymore. But for a while in my 20s, like like each of the guys that I've dated, the scenarios did fall into some, some sort of a rom-com type of a storyline. So I think that that kind of also led to my fascination with rom-coms. Ah, so if there if there was an Eid rom-com subgenre of movies, which Oh yeah, is, I'd be all over it. Yeah, so what what would your character be? What would your what would your film be? Oh my god. Life? I I'm Zara. I'm going to have to lean on you for this one. Oh, there's only one character I'm allowed to say that you would kill me if I said any other character. Your favorite character in the world in all ways, Mindy Kaling. Oh yeah, yeah, I would definitely have Mindy play. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe we need like a, a Muslim rom-com Christmas movie. Yes. Somehow. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you work at a Macy's and you're forced to decorate for Christmas right. or something. And then like oh, that's I, awesome. I, I fall in love with a non-Muslim man. With an then, elf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we could do elf. <laughs> that's, just, that's really Ryan Gosling because we have to insert Ryan Gosling somewhere. Yeah. You would fall in love with the elf Ryan Gosling, but like Santa would be really into you. 
Yeah. <laughs> there have to be some some triangle created. Zara, you're up. What's on your list of guilty right. pleasures? My guilty pleasure presently is it weird to say that like my guilty pleasure right now is that i am completely enthralled by game of thrones and i hate that <laughs> no i think you're one of millions of people with a it makes me so angry but it like strategically and as a writer i'm just like watching all of it and it's gorgeous and it's beautiful and i just got back from this incredible tour of the adriatic where like we actually saw the game of thrones castles that they're shot in and their armor and I appreciate it even more now. But then I'm like, oh, damn you. Like how many more naked women do I have to see in a room of fully clothed men in order to be able to pay attention to more exposition? It's just, you know, makes me nuts. But that like that is definitely a show where I get giddy like and I hit. I hit my husband like when I feel like I have a prediction of who's going to die next. <laughs> so you were just in the Adriatic. Was that for a comedy tour or is that just for fun? Uh, it ended up being for fun. Uh, it started out f uh, for something exciting. I thought that I was going to go for a conference in Iran um, to speak. And then I found out uh, through a lot of my own research, really, that it would be very dangerous for me if I went. Uh, and that it was not at all a good idea. So that was unfortunate, um, actually, because of Love and Shala, uh, the book that Taz and I were in together. I talk about sex and that's it. That's all that did it. It's illegal to talk about it in Iran and publish it. And I would be convicted of that if I went is what I was told. And my parents and I were all set to go and show off my white husband and say, look, here he is. <laughs> And I converted him. Look, we have another one. Um, you know, one more for Iran. <laughs> but couldn't couldn't happen. Well, so you couldn't go to Iran because it was too dangerous. So instead, you went on the Game of Thrones tour of <laughs> Southern Europe. <laughs> I needed the thrill. You know what I mean? I needed you're the like, thrill. You're maybe like a little glad it didn't work out. <laughs> you're like, right, I know, right? I was like, oh, well, there was seriously one point where my mom was like, Zahra, I found out if you go, like, the worst thing that could happen is two days in prison. And, like, it's <laughs> one part of me was like, oh, my God, why would you even think that's okay? And another part of me was like, oh, my mom knows me so well. Where, where, where like, you would suffer through the two days in prison, you mean? I mean, if I knew, you know, if I knew that I was going to come out of it safe and, you know, maybe a few physical therapy sessions later, I would be okay. <laughs> like, well, it's funny hearing Taz talk about her guilty pleasures because, you know, I can't watch comedy because as a comedian, I feel like I'm working. Oh, yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So I notice that about myself that I'm I'm when it when it comes time to guilty pleasure, I always sit down for drama. Mm -hmm. And, and if you're working, you're watching comedy and you're constantly thinking, is this is this working? What's their jokes? How can I use this? Yeah, what's their jokes? Who's their agent? Which is this actor? Do I know him? Did I start out with him? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and comparing myself, it's terrible. I and I can't give myself a break, so I, I I have to go for a whole new genre. It sounds like you're doing a lot of excellent justification for 
Which, the guilty pleasure? For Game of Thrones, yeah. You're like, I have to watch Game of Thrones. I can't possibly watch comedy. <laughs> it's just... I can't... <laughs> no. I couldn't possibly support women in romantic comedies. I have to watch this success in the male-dominated industry. There's just no other way. Well, I think that's essential to um, a successful guilty pleasure is... Uh, enough justification to like actually feel pretty good about it and not feel guilty at all. I, I don't feel guilty at all about it anymore. Thank you. That was Taz and Zara of the podcast Good Muslim, Bad Muslim. I cannot recommend listening to their show enough. It is not a guilty pleasure. It is all good, all pleasure, all the time. Look it up at goodmuslimbadmuslim.com. Muslim,